And if you haven't caught the theme, we will be in Philippians chapter 4 today. I will be focusing most of my attention on verses 4 through 9, but we will go from 4 to the end of the chapter today. So if you would, go ahead, turn to chapter 4 of Philippians, and I will start by reading verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let me open with prayer. Father, we have just read that we can come to you with all of our requests. I'm asking that you are with me today and give me confidence and boldness to preach your word. Calm my nerves. I just pray that you, God, will um, encourage us to apply your word to our daily lives. We love you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. I'm going to start with a story that I read this week, and I I hope this story kind of helps set the scene a little bit of Paul's situation. I called the story the rat story. I don't really know what it's called, but it actually was a experiment done by some scientists. This experiment was conducted in 1957, and the experiment was to see the effect that hope has on those undergoing hardship. So the scientists had two sets of laboratory rats, and they were placed in separate tubs of water. The researchers left one set in the water and found that within an hour, they had all drowned. The other rats were periodically lifted out of the water and then returned. So the second set, they would put them in, and and every so often they would pick them up and then put them right back in. What happened was the second set of rats swam for over 24 hours. One actually swam almost um, a total of 48 hours before it drowned. Why? Why did the second rats swim longer? They were given no extra rest, but since they were picked up and put down, they had a sense of hope. Those animals somehow hoped that they could stay afloat Just a little bit longer, someone reached down and rescued them. If hope holds such a power for these unthinking rodents, how much greater should the effect be on our lives? 
This illustration shows us the power of hope. Paul, who was writing Philippians from a prison, probably seemed to be in a hopeless situation. I imagine many of the people in Philippi thought Paul's in prison. More than likely, he was in prison at Rome. Things may not look good for Paul's um, life. However, when we read Philippians, we realize, despite Paul's circumstances, the book's full of joy. And I think hope and joy are directly tied to one another. The words joy and rejoice are used 16 times throughout the book. Verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. We find our joy in the Lord through the hope of his promises and obeying his commandments. In John 15, verses 10 and 11, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you keep my commandments, I will abide in my, I, excuse me, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Paul ended up in prison, but he could still say, rejoice in the Lord. His joy was not in his circumstances. And it's probably a good thing. Paul's joy was in uh, his freedom. His circumstances changed. He was no longer free. And our circumstances will continually change throughout our life. As a teacher, on the last day of school before summer break, I am rejoicing. (laughs) Plain and simple. It's a glorious day. It's easy for me to say rejoice in the Lord. But on a rainy winter day with endless indoor recesses, with screaming kids in my gym and their high-pitched squeals, Struggling to keep their hands to themselves, it can be challenging to say rejoice. First five says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. This verse reminds me that the Lord is present. Christ is going to return. This should create a reasonableness in some translations, say gentleness. In a, it should create a reasonableness and gentleness in us that is known by everyone. We are to be looking out for the interests of others and following Christ's example. Moving on to verse six says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Do not be anxious about anything. I, I, I have to admit, this was pretty convicting this week as I uh, read the chapter each day, kind of thinking what I was going to say, prepare. I was kind of, there's definitely some anxious thoughts and worry. So as I read this, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe God's trying to speak to me. Because ultimately, worry is faith going in the opposite direction. Now think about that. Worry is faith going in the opposite direction. When you worry, 
ultimately, it's a lack of faith. It's a lack of trust. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ultimately tells us, why worry? It's worthless. What do you gain from worry? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's how I interpret what he is saying there on the Sermon on the Mount about worry and anxiety. We are called to give our worries over to God through prayer and supplication. Now, I had to look up the word supplication. I didn't know what that word was. And ultimately, it just means to ask or to beg. But Paul tells us we are to do this with thanksgiving. We are to have thanksgiving towards God as we come to him with our requests. We have to... Our attitude should be one of think, of thanksgiving and thankfulness. Which can be challenging. This week, as I, I was listening to a sermon this week, and I was doing the dishes. And I hate the dishes. It's my one chore that I, I do around the house to help pull my own weight. I really hate doing them. Oftentimes, I neglect doing them until the sink is full and hoping that by miraculous means, one of my children might take the notion of doing them. It's not yet been done. Sometimes Katie will think and help, but generally that is my chore. And I had a real bad attitude about doing these dishes. I was not in a thankful spirit. But as I listened to this sermon... I don't even remember what the sermon was about, but he was talking about thankfulness. It was a sermon by Adrian Rogers. And I, I asked myself, why am I so upset about these dirty dishes? And my perspective started to change. I started thinking about these dirty dishes and I started to think. I should be thankful for these dirty dishes. I got to eat a meal off these dirty dishes. I got to sit at a table with my children and my family and eat and share a meal with these dirty dishes. And then I looked down and saw my dishwasher and I was very thankful for my dishwasher because the reality is it was going to do most of the work. When we ask in thankfulness, our perspective and what we ask for may change. And we are to approach the Lord with thank- with a thankful heart. So I began to pray and ask the Lord to call my nerves and guide my words for the day. That's what the scripture said to do. So ultimately, I started to practice what I was going to preach on. And you know what the results were? Well, let's read verse seven. Actually, I'll start in verse six. It says, with Thanksgiving, with Thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Results are I started to feel a little less stress about getting up here and speaking in front of you all today. I started to feel a little more confident. I started to feel some peace about getting up and speaking. I can't say that all my nerves are gone away. I still feel a few butterflies. But I still feel a calm, which I think is God giving me some peace. Isaiah 6 um, Isaiah chapter 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust you. 
As I've read through these scriptures, I see hope, joy, peace, and they're all gifts from God. In order to experience the fullness of these gifts, we must protect our thoughts. Paul gives us a litmus test of what our minds should dwell on in verse 8. If the thought does not have a place on this list, then it should not have a place in our mind. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, as Paul's wrapping up his sermon, even though this is the second finally brothers in Philippians. So Paul was a long winded preacher, I think. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Those are the things that should occupy our minds and our thoughts. And we see in verse nine, he says, well, you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So we see these are where our thoughts should be. And then practice these. So our thoughts are going to guide our actions. As I thought of these verses and kind of thought of the children's song, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. I think we can add a new chorus that says, oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Our thoughts will come out and our, our, our thoughts will come out. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's Matthew twelve thirty four. Solomon warned his son in Proverbs four twenty three, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the spring of life. Sin begins in our minds and our thoughts it comes out in our speech. And eventually our actions. Paul gave us instructions for our for the Christian mind here. It's easy to dwell on the negative when life is hard, disappointing or painful. But we are but we are free feed. But we are to feed our minds with blessings from God and the good things we can find in our lives and our situations. We are to think about what is true rather than the lies Satan would have us believe. We are to dwell on what is noble and right so our actions will follow our thoughts. We are to feed our minds with whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, excellence, or praiseworthy. All the things that help us stay focused on God's love for us and Christ's sacrifice for us. I'm going to be reading verses 10 through 13. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now that now at length you have received your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned and Whatever situation I am to be content, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in in any and every circumstance. 
I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul learned how to be content in any circumstance. Remember, Paul's writing this in prison. Most of us would probably not think that as a good circumstance. But Paul is able to write this because he has developed the right attitude. He's able to turn his worries over to the Lord in prayer. He's able to have his mind think on the good things and dwell on the things in verse 8. Verse 13 is speaking of how God can give us strength. And I think in this context, it's strength to be content. How could Paul be content without the strength of the Lord within his circumstance? I'm going to read 14 to the end of the chapter now. And ultimately, this was the whole 14 to the end of the chapter. Remember, Philippians ultimately was Paul was sending a thank you note. And this is where Paul basically says, thank you. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek a gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrance offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God the Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greetings. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. In closing, we can rejoice in the Lord despite our, our circumstances. We can press on in our faith by expressing joy and gentleness to others, by substituting worry for prayer, and by thinking on things worth thinking about. When we do these things, Paul tells us we will experience the presence and peace of God. I'm going to close with prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for your joy. Thank you for listening to our prayers. I ask that you guard our minds and help us dwell on what is true and pure and praiseworthy. Father, we love you. Amen.